It's time for episode 216 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 22nd, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that talks turkey once a year. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined by my... I'm thankful to be joined by my co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. Hi, Micah. Gobble, gobble, Dan. Gobble, <laughs> gobble. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good turkey impression there, so we'll just... <laughs> well, we'll pardon you for that one. How about that? Oh, uh, oh, nice. Oh, that's what I'm doing there. All right, this is the tech show where we talk about four tech topics with two fantastic guests. To my left, our returning friend... Uh, I, you know, what could I say about him beyond his love of photography and coffee that defines him? Jeff Carlson's here. Welcome back, Jeff. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. And to my left is co-host of both Android Show and also, I I always forget what it's called, All About Android and also uh, right here on our network, Material Podcast, it's Florence Ion. How are you, Flo? Micah, you took my gobble-gobble joke. I totally was thinking of that joke to when you guys got to me, and then you did it, and then I was like, oh my god, you just took my joke. (laughs) It's all about sharing, though, so you can also gobble-gobble if you want to. Hey, great minds think alike. There we go. Well, as it is Thanksgiving, and I'm leading off here, let's start with a holiday-themed question. Holidays, of course, for many of us mean family, and family, for many of us, means tech support. So if you're going into the holiday weekend here and you feel like you might have some tech support tasks to carry out at your home, what is, what is our top tip for our listeners in helping out our family with their tech? Jeff, lead us off here. Well, I would say, first of all, you can always go outside and avoid everybody for a short <laughs> amount of time. Um, I, think, I think patience. Patience is, is really the key. Um, and I think, you know, given uh, our experiences and, and a lot of the listeners, um, I think realizing that your family doesn't have the same technology that you do in most cases, uh, just keeping that in mind helps. And also, I found that um, often problems that people are running into actually have more to do with the software or the hardware than the person who's confused. Um, you know, there's so many times when I've had people who are like, like, like I, I just don't get it. I'm stupid. And I'm like, no, actually, that's a really poor layout or, uh, you know, you have to have some sort of knowledge beforehand to understand this. So um, patience and uh, bourbon. <laughs> what's the difference um i i think th- i absolutely agree with all of those especially the one about uh just you know giving giving people sort of some some grace because it's it's true that a lot of times it's not the case that they just aren't doing something right you know uh, I- ignorantly it's it's the fact that there's something Something a little confusing about uh, whatever technology it is that they're using. Um, the one that I like to bring up around the holiday season uh, is just kind of to subtly shame people for poor <laughs> password management. Um, oh, yeah. 
to try and encourage my family to use better and different passwords across the uh, board. It, it, it almost never works. Um, but I sure am thankful when it does. Uh, other than that, it's uh, typically time when I uh, remind everybody to go into this. Mo- most of my uh, family are, are iOS users. Uh, so I remind them to go into settings and tap on their Apple ID banner and tap on iCloud and then tap on iCloud backup and then tap backup um, because I I have somehow been blamed in the past for the loss of photos and things like that when it had nothing to do with me because I sort of stand in for Apple whenever they can't complain to Apple itself. So my piece of advice is make it uh, make it a learning experience for everybody. So maybe Maybe you're not in the mood for this, and that's fine. I know not everybody has uh, this relationship with their family, but um, when I use my family as my guinea pigs, um, I use them to study them and their interactions. They are my (laughs) tech zoom. You know, I like to just, my father has, you know, on his own, He's adopted the Amazon ecosystem, so I just sort of am exploring it with him, uh, and we kind of just take that journey together, and it's made me a much happier person, because before, I would just tell them to use something, and they would, you know, try and figure it out on their own, and then need help from me, to which I would say, I don't have the patience for this, but, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff that goes in there, too, Um, and eventually, I just kind of uh, empowered my parents to make like their own tech decisions. Like, listen, I'm not gonna be able to help you throughout life. <laughs> I'm not gonna always be here. <laughs> I need Ooh. you to yeah. know how to do this on your own. So here's what happened is my father has adopted the iOS platform. Um, he was complaining he couldn't read the letters. So he learned how to increase the font size by Googling it. He figured it out. So he has an iPhone 7 with giant font, and my mother just has whatever whatever new Samsung thing is out, and then I just kind of, you know, I also just kind of practice patience. <laughs> I, I, I think that makes us, I agree, patience and empathy are, are two very important uh, tools in your toolkit when dealing with this. Here is my, let me keep it short and sweet, my pro tip. Uh, people always seem to forget, especially on their iOS devices or smartphones, to update their system software. So before Ooh. the meal, gather everybody's phones, start them all downloading, and that way you get the benefit of updating their phones and making sure that no one can look at their phones during your meal time. Life hack. There you Dan go. That's a, that is a life hack right there for you. Brilliant. But thank you for all your suggestions. They are wonderful. Let's go to our second topic, which comes from Jeff. Well, since we're still talking about Turkey, um, the kitchen, that's an area that's ripe for technological innovation. Um, We have like instant pots and wireless temperature gauges and I'm afraid to say smart refrigerators. (laughs) So my question is, does your kitchen have any smart devices? And is this an area that Silicon Valley should just leave alone? Ooh, so I don't think they should just—I I don't think they should just leave it alone. No, um, because I think that we are sort of at the. Oh golly, I hate saying this because it sounds so silly, but we are at the forefront of uh, technological advances there. So 
although some of the things right now may not have very good value propositions, I think, you know, slowly but surely, we'll start to see what makes sense and what actually is helpful in the kitchen. Uh, for me personally, I do have an echo uh, that hangs out. And I can use that for you know, playing music or controlling lights and things like that. But um, one of the things that I'd like to add to my kitchen is a smart sous vide machine um, where I could kind of keep an eye on things no matter where I happen to be. And I think it's especially helpful around uh, the holiday season whenever you're making food and you may want to leave the kitchen for a period of time. So certainly the ability to check in on things while you're away is nice, but as it stands, I don't need a webcam in my refrigerator so that I can check to see what's in there and what's not. Um, and I don't want my fridge talking to me necessarily. So I can wait on those things. I can have so a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes it for me as well, then mm -hmm. I take that all back. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's where I am and where I'd like to be when it comes to smart stuff in my kitchen. And now, Flo, it is your turn. You know, so I just like started like four months ago, I started doing the IOT, like smart home beat, I guess, which I realize is a really broad thing to say, but, um, but there it is. Um, and so I've just been like delving into this. I have so much connected stuff in my house now, but a lot of that are bulbs, uh, smart speakers and vacuums. Yes. Robot vacuums. I have a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> I test them now. Um, but I will say like a, a thing there's not too many things a fridge like the samsung smart fridge can do that a google home can't do in your kitchen like if you need to have mm -hmm. a centralized shopping list just do that with google home or um, an echo dot and kind of like teach your household uh you know whoever whoever's living there in your living quarters kind of teach them how to use it and how to add to it and like it it's just great and seamless. I got my husband on board all of that. I totally agree with Micah, though. I would love something like connected sous vide machines, something where you don't have to like walk downstairs to check everything or or at the very least, like if I leave the house really quickly and I, I need I'm in a hurry somewhere, I wish I could just have every major appliance that worries me like in a centralized app. And then I could just turn it all like make sure everything's off so that I can finally leave my house on time every day of the week without going in back in three times to make sure I turned everything off like that is the main reason I'm late to everything. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be that would be handy. Um, I have an Echo in the kitchen right now. I used to have an Echo show, just swapped them the other day because my girlfriend's convinced that the original Echo listens better than the Echo show, uh, which may be true. Uh, I was always a little disappointed in what the Echo show could do because I really liked some aspects like being able to glance up and look at what my timers were at rather than um, having to ask the Echo. Uh, I wish it had a little better integration for like actual cooking skills so they could like show a recipe because mm -hmm. instead I end up like looking at my phone or my iPad and then my hands are covered and it's like, oh no, the iPad, I don't want to use the iPad when I got like gross stuff on my hands. Um, so I would like to see some of the smart home uh, virtual assistant things take a more kitchen centric approach. Um, but beyond that, the only thing I really want is the ability to turn on my teapot from my bed. Because, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have to roll up and make tea. Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. Um, I think one of the, the issues is that, um, you know, th- there are so many areas that, that we could put some of this smart technology into. I think companies are having a hard time figuring out, you know, where the profit is. Um, I have one of the, the, the Innova sous vide cookers, and the hardware is great. You, you put it in, you set a temperature, and you go. Uh, the software is just crap because the one that I have um, is the Bluetooth model. And uh, the idea is, you know, you're connected with your, your smartphone and you can dial in um, the time, you can dial in the temperature, you can even have it like um, start a specific recipe. So you want to say, you know, I want to make this and, and then it already knows how to set it up. But if you get out of Bluetooth range, it forgets everything. And when you reconnect... It's like, hey, do you want to do some cooking today? You're like, Uh. no! And so I'm basically using it as a dumb appliance by setting it up, setting a timer on my Apple Watch so I can go check it in an hour. Oh my gosh. That that sort of thing. Um, I I think also another thing that um, that is also getting lost in in some of this is um, security, that a lot of these companies are are, are rushing and not doing any sort of security on the smart devices. And, you know, there have been there have been hacks. There have been, you know, the the famous um, uh, smart fridge with a big TV screen that was showing porn at a at a you know Home Depot once, um, you know, like. These companies are really need to get on the ball and, and 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 do a better job rather than just saying here's something that's got a bluetooth chip in it yeah <laughs> yeah otherwise people will be turning on flo's oven from from their home yeah <laughs> sorry Flo. exactly uh all right my oven <laughs> that's two topics down that means it's halftime and today's episode of clockwise is brought to you by our good friends at linode linode has fast and powerful hosting options that you can set up in just seconds their tools are easy to understand and they let you choose your resources and linux distro giving you the power and flexibility that you need plus linode plans now start at just five dollars a month for a linux server with a gigabyte of ram in the linode cloud linode has over 400,000 customers, all of whom are serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. You can email them, call them, even chat over IRC in the Linode community if that's what you want to do. If you need help, Linode's there for you. Their control panel is beautifully designed with a focus on ease and simplicity. You can deploy, boot, resize, and clone in just a few clicks. Plus, they have comprehensive guides and support documentation to teach you everything you need to know for setting up and managing your virtual servers and if you're worried about that, aforementioned security, they feature two-factor authentication to keep you safe. You can also create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. Basically, Linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs. They've got the power you require, as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you want. And as I said, they've got fantastic pricing options available. You can get a server with one gigabyte of RAM for just $5 a month, or go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM for just $60 a month. Across the board, Linode offers twice the amount of RAM you'll get elsewhere. And as a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get yourself $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's absolutely nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or use the promo code clockwise2017 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what do you got for us? Well, as I was taking yet more photos of my dogs yesterday, uh, it came to my attention that I've got 
so many photos in my camera roll, and uh, as the holidays are coming up, I imagine many people will have so many photos in their camera roll, but I'm curious, where do they go after that? What do you choose to do with those photos? Do they just sit there in your camera roll and you flick through them every once in a while, you get them printed out? Uh, what what happens to your photos after they have been uh, captured? Flo, we'll start with you. Everything is in Google Photos now, which is amazing and awesome and the best because now I can immediately have, immediately, I can have slideshows, uh, you know, when I go over to like my parents' house, I can just like instantly cast an album to the TV. So what I do is, I guess that's one thing that I do is I curate albums after like every big outing. So like Last weekend, I went to the Museum of Ice Cream and I started like a collaborative photo album and I had all of my friends contribute like the pictures that we took. And so now we have this giant album of all these pictures and animations um, and movies and time lapses. And it's just like all there centralized. And it's awesome because we can just pick up on it whenever we need it. The other thing is um, now that I have motion photos on the Pixel 2, which are like absolutely the best one of the the most fun <laughs> I'm running out of adjectives here uh one of the most fun features that's sort of come out from Google's camp this year is motion photos, which are exclusive to the pixel two um but I've been like exporting those and uh and just kind of like posting them to social media and such so and then lastly, whenever Snapfish uh, or Amazon has like a big discount on photo prints, if it's like a family occasion or if it was like an occasion where there were a lot of friends around, I'll usually just print out pictures um, and kind of bring them and dole them out to people because one thing that we don't really do anymore is because we don't shoot with cameras, we don't have physical photos, but the thing is there's still some magic in like handing a physical photo to somebody like reliving that moment, putting it on your bookshelf, kind of just having it there. So um, I try to be like the official archivist for uh, my friends and family. <laughs> someone, someone needs to do it. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I use, so since I'm on iOS for the most part, all my stuff goes into the iCloud photo library. Um, I also like that Apple, like Google Photos, has uh, you know automatically generated movies and slideshows and uh, surfaces, sort of memories for like specific occasions, which is nice because it does encourage me to look back on those pictures more than I would otherwise. Um, but beyond that, other than the occasional like posting to Twitter, I feel like I probably don't do enough with the with the photos. I still have a bunch that I took last year when I was in India, and I really haven't like they're there on the phone. I flipped through them the other day, but I haven't really done anything else with them. Um, but on rare occasions, I do um, uh, print stuff out. Um, in fact, just this past weekend, I printed a uh, had a print made at Target um, just so we could frame a, a picture that my girlfriend uh, wanted to hang up in the hallway at in the house. So, uh, you know, I, I print things out when when needed, but it's definitely much less of that physical object sharing, as as Flo is saying. So mostly they just they just go in a in a big memory hole, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? Well, um, for me, I, um, I, okay, I'm a photographer, but I will say that a lot of them just stay on the camera or uh, stay in Lightroom, which is uh, the, the app that I, I mostly use. Um, partially that's because I, I take a lot of photos and a lot of them really don't need to be seen. Um, but in terms of like, like going to events and family gatherings, um, especially like family shots that I take with my iPhone, um, I, I will 
uh, use iCloud photo sharing to share some of those to like a small network of you know extended family and friends. Um, I also print occasionally. Um, there's a company called Bay Photo that does a good job, um, but you know honestly, when I just need a few snapshots, uh, I'll use the Walgreens app and pick them up at a you know local corner store they're not fantastic but sometimes you're just like here here like here's a few shots um and then uh another thing that i do is um excuse me when i have like like some sort of event where i want to specifically share um, the photos like for example we we do a, a christmas party uh, with some friends and um, last year, like I was the photographer and everybody posed with Santa and all of that. Um, I, uh, I was not Santa. <laughs> um, so, so, um, I, I bring those into Lightroom and, um, when you sync it with, um, uh, creative cloud or Lightroom mobile, you can basically create like a gallery there that people can go to, which is really, um, easy to do. And, um, there's a setting there where you can let people who know the URL to download all the pictures because, you know, I get a lot of requests from people who are like, oh, can you send me that one? Or can you send me one that's not, you know, super compressed by Facebook? And so it's easy to just say, okay, like, here they are, share it as much as you want and go for it. All right. All fantastic answers. Um, I, for me, a lot of times they do just sit in the camera roll, um, but occasionally they will work their way out. There's an app that I like to use. Uh, it was bought by, oh, the Hero 6 makers, and I can't think of uh, what those uh, cameras are called, but um, it's it's an app called Quick, and it, you can put in a bunch of different photos and videos, and then it puts it together in this beautifully done slideshow with timed music and things like that. And so I recently just uh, collected all the photos that I have of my uh, of one of my dogs from whenever I first got him to uh, him now, and put that all into a slideshow that was uh, a little a little kind of growing up thing, which was a lot of fun. And then I also like to use, uh, there's a company called Parabo Press, and they make these really great six by six square uh, photos. And so I'll send off, you can get like 25 of them for very, very little money. Um, and I have a, a wall feature that I can swap in photos uh, to put them there. So I like to use them as well. And then occasionally something like Fracture will uh, come into play as well. So a few printing options and a few digital options, but it's fun to take them out of the camera roll instead of having to swipe through uh, a bunch. Uh, so thank you all for your answers. Let's move on to the last question that comes from Flo. So the Jelly Phone, um, it was this kickstarted phone, uh, this kickstarted Android phone. It is super tiny. It's got like the most bare bone of specifications. It's... Uh, it's so small. It is smaller than the palm of my hand. I'm holding it in my hand right now. Cool. Um, and it sort of like took the Android world by storm because it's exactly what we would have wanted out of a phone 10 years ago. But mm -hmm. now it exists. And the sheer novelty, it's only, you know, it's only 100 bucks. So if you want it, it's great. It's got two SIMs in it. It's got an expansion slot. You can get it with up to two gigs of RAM. Um, and it has Android on it. So I bought this phone initially out of curiosity, also because I like the idea of having this small, tiny little phone in 
in my bag as kind of like a backup phone because I put a backup SIM in it. But then I was just thinking, so I was, I'm kind of working on this idea of just trying, I've been trying to just use this phone for like an hour of my commute each day just to kind of see like, can I do normal things with it? Like call a lift. Uh, can I do normal things with it? Like check, like use my BART app to check and see when it's arriving. Um, can I use it to write on Twitter and, uh, or, and, uh, post a Snapchat, like these things that I would do with my normal, you know, $700 pixel two. And I, I quite find that the limitations, first of all, you know, it's really small, so it makes it kind of hard to use, which is a, which is a bummer. But then I think about all the, the people who sort of say that, you know, I don't really need much from a phone. I'm okay with just the, with just the simplicity of it all, with just the simple things. And I truly wonder, do any of us, are any of us really capable of living <laughs> with the simplicity of a simple smartphone in this day and age where, uh, where the sole reason for us buying a smartphone is because of the incredible things it can do, whether it be motion photos on the Pixel 2, whether it be um, the portrait mode on the iPhone, like, am I really capable of living life <laughs> without <laughs> these luxuries? <laughs> what do you guys think? Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the, the smartphone revolution has been huge. And I get the idea of people like uh, having nostalgia for earlier, simpler times with those things. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I don't I don't think that given the opportunity, most people would trade away all the things they can do with their smartphone. And, you know, it's good and bad, like every other technological revolution that's come before it, you know, like television rotting your brain. But we all still watch television, right? I mean, you, all the time, this is all about people making decisions and people getting nostalgic for things. But I don't think that just means that things used to be better off with a simpler phone. I think there's two components to this. One um, would be, you know, whether it can do all the things that, that I would normally do on a smartphone, um, in which case, it, it, if it can't, then I'd be like, no, I don't think so. However, I know a lot of people who would be really attracted to the size of it, the physical size of it. Um, you know, people who, um, like my wife, uh, really does not want to move beyond an iPhone 5S just because a, a 6 and above. Um, like it just feels too big to her. She wants something that she can put in her pocket and not worry about, you know, bending it or getting, you know, poked in the thigh when you sit down. And um, so I think I think like the 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 size of it is is really good. But if it's really hobbled um, and and is basically just like a device that lets you make phone calls, like who does that anymore? Um, then I'd be like, no way. Oh, let's see. Uh, I would like. I would like to. <laughs> I would like to think that I could absolutely do a small, tiny phone and get away with having uh, a simple phone. But I do so much on my phone, and I think that's kind of uh, how everyone ends up feeling. Is so much happens there, and while there are things like the Apple Watch, of course, that has uh, cellular wireless, you know, coverage now, and people are saying that they can get away with using just those things. For me, I just, I can get too much done on my phone and to lose any of that or the screen real estate that I find necessary. Um, and that all of us, I think, as we, we go through time and uh, have trouble with uh, near sight or rather with farsightedness, uh, that can be an issue. 
But um, I guess I guess you know why why go simple whenever there are so many folks out there that, <laughs> that aren't, and there are so many options to sort of fall into your correct uh, viewpoint. Um, well, we are running out of time, so I want to thank Flo for your question there about Tanifones. Uh, but we got to kick it to Dan for the bonus topic this week. Oh, thank you, Micah. The bonus topic this week is brought to you by our good friends at Ministry of Supply. Ministry of Supply creates radically engineered dress clothes that synchronize with your body. Born from MIT, they realize you can look good and feel good. Every garment is built to stretch, breathe, and regulate your body temperature. And everything they design is machine washable and wrinkle resistant to make sure that you always look fresh. The Apollo 3 dress shirt is just one of their awesome items of clothing. It's made from a hyper-breathable knit fabric that's borrowed material from the lining of spacesuits to help manage temperature. But maybe you want something more casual. You could go for the easier-than-silk tee, which mirrors the drape and touch of silk without any of the hassle. And Ministry of Supply keeps adding to their collection, too. The new Momentum Chino is constructed with hollow core polyester to regulate heat. Think of it like a built-in thermostat. You can get 15% off your first purchase at www.ministryofsupply.com slash clockwise or you can pop in to a physical store and mention Clockwise at any of their nine locations around the United States, including Boston, Chicago, New York, and San Francisco. Ministry of Supply, dress smarter, work smarter. We thank you guys for your support of this week's episode of Clockwise. And now, the bonus topic, rapid fire. It's Thanksgiving, so we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you what's your favorite traditional or non-traditional Thanksgiving dish. Jeff? Despite coming up with a topic about cooking, I have to say, stuffing from a box. Oh, my heart. Uh, I'm going to, I make uh, collard greens every year. I make really good greens and I'm looking forward to eating them as well. Awesome. Flo? Stuffing from a box. Make it crispy. Make it crispy. Uh, Oh man. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to be a purist. I like the turkey. I gotta say it. Uh, hmm. All right. That's all we got time for today. All that remains is to thank our fantastic guest, Jeff Carlson. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. And Florence Ion, thank you so much for joining us, you cool cat. Thank you guys so much. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) Gobble, gobble, meow. (laughs) And Micah, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Aw, you too, Dan. And to all our listeners out there, we'll be back next week. But until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Bye, everybody. (laughs) 